Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Asia-Pacific markets are relatively directionless this morning. Sydney and Seoul opened lower but have been bouncing around the flat line. In early trade, Sydney is still in the red while Seoul is up a third of a percent. Tokyo is closed today for a public holiday. Investors are awaiting the release of China's latest benchmark lending rate at around 9.30 this morning. Joining me now as we discuss what's moving markets is Ryan Huang. How was the weekend? Hey, weekend was good. You had a longer weekend. I did, which meant you had Friday off too. <laughs> At least for this part so of the day. So we are all recharged for Monday. You are so right. All right. Do you hear that, Ryan? It's the sound of a clock and it's still ticking. Tick-tock, tick-tock. <laughs> yeah, the social media giant TikTok. Still alive and well and entertaining some 100 million Americans every month, despite the Trump administration's threats to close it down. Now, we've often compared the TikTok saga to a game show on this program as we track who might buy the company. It seems to me now that we might be in a Netflix serial. And my question is, are we in the last season? Over the weekend, U.S. President Donald Trump said he's given his, quote, blessing to a deal in in which Oracle and Walmart buy minority stakes in the company. So Oracle and Walmart will not only become shareholders in the U.S. arm of TikTok, they will also assume takeover over some areas of its business. So what will be their new responsibilities? Yeah, so you have this 20% stake, 12.5% goes to Oracle, and Walmart apparently will buy up the remaining 7.5% stake. So this is going to be part of the stake in TikTok Global. So what's going to be uh, worth mentioning is you will get jobs moving to Texas. So you you will get jobs to the tune of 25,000 jobs. And that is part of sweetener for this deal apparently being um, approved. So that is um, something to watch out for. Of course, Oracle will be the so-called custodian of data that will be stored in the US. That is one of the big premises behind this to address issues around national security. And Walmart is probably going to find a way to see how it can leverage the data for its own e-commerce push. So that is what to watch out for from Walmart's front. So all in, it seems to be a promising, I don't don't say it's a happy ending yet because it's probably going to be many chapters down the road for this. All right. U.S. President Donald Trump has demanded that ByteDance make a payment to the U.S. Treasury as part of this deal. What do you think? Could that happen? Yeah, so this payment is five, or at least what's come up is a a number, $5 billion. And this is around what Donald Trump is claiming that ByteDance will donate to an education fund. So for a long time, we've been hearing he wants a finder's fee. He wants a you know, key money for brokering or at least making this deal happen. So mm. he says this is that kind of uh, payback or that kickback that you know, that the deal is uh, helping the U.S. government or at least the economy. So $5 billion uh, will apparently go into this education fund. But the twist is Bike Dunce has come up with a statement ah. that this is the first time they are hearing of this donation. So it is pretty much a, for now, unilateral claim. So we'll see if that actually um, materialises. Okay, so if we take a step back, do you think that the deal meets all the criteria that Trump laid out for it when he first threatened to ban TikTok in the US? Yeah, it's a bit of a yes and no. So right from the beginning, Donald Trump was saying this is all about national security, it's about data that might be mind or, you know, the Chinese company might spy on U.S. citizens with how they use TikTok and pretty much 
that hacking fear that he's trying to address. So now with Oracle in the mix, they kind of address it because you had Donald Trump at first saying, we need a US company to buy the US business. But now that is not the case. You still have TikTok or rather ByteDance owning the US business, but you have Oracle as the custodian. So it is a bit of a joint venture, so to speak. So it does address to some extent the national security issues, but at the same time, it doesn't fit into the criteria to the T that Donald Trump was pushing for. But you do have the sweeteners, which is jobs going to the US, which I, I think could be a win for Donald Trump as he goes into elections next month. That's an important point. Yeah, but on the tech side, the data stays in American hands uh, for national security reasons purportedly, but the algo itself, the algorithm, that which makes TikTok so apparently uh, addictive, is going to still belong to ByteDance, right? Yeah, so that is part of the, I guess, changing landscape that has that is different now from the first time he laid out the criteria. And from then on, you had China responding to say, we are going to make it harder for Chinese tech companies to sell their code, their key technology to foreign companies. So that was an extra obstacle for his criteria to be met. So you do have a few things changing. And also... Uh, it is just going to be tough for it to be approved from China. So I think he is also assessing it to see how much he can take from the table with the type of um, demands that he's putting out. The art of the deal being performed live as we speak. All right, another Chinese company that has come under U.S. fire is Tencent, which owns WeChat. The Trump administration planned to ban WeChat from yesterday, but a U.S. judge has issued an injunction halting that move. What is the basis of the lawsuit that's allowing, at least for now, Ryan, WeChat to continue operating in the U.S.? Yeah, so another Chinese social media app. But what's different about WeChat, it is a very more business-skewed app because you do get the um, features such as payments and fund transfers. So this is a very important app for anyone who wants to be connected to China or the China payment system or their friends in China. Uh, This is quite integral to being linked up back home. So what is happening right now is uh, Donald Trump at first wanted Google and Apple to take the app off the store. But now you have users of WeChat coming up with a lawsuit to say, hey, that's not fair and it is unfair uh, based on um, First Amendment claims because this makes it harder for the lives of users. And the judge, in simple terms, agreed with the users and blocked Donald Trump's ban. So now, for now, it is suspended. So you still have the chance to use uh, WeChat if you are in the U.S. Mm, Likened to a public square for Chinese Americans, uh, the fight continuing on the basis of free speech, apparently. All right, so China's announced its own plans to punish foreign companies that damage national security. It's called the Unreliable Entity List. This came into force over the weekend. Do we know any of the names of the companies that are on this list, Ryan? Yeah, so this has been one of the more interesting headlines of the weekend. So this Unreliable Entity List is pretty much... own blacklist and it is almost a tit for tat with what the US itself came up with so you might remember the US or rather the Trump administration had this blacklist putting many Chinese companies including Huawei Um, so whoever's on the blacklist US suppliers cannot sell to them unless they get special approval so China has come up with the same thing so penalties 
for anyone on this list is you will get trade restrictions, restrictions on investment and visas. So we do have penalties, but we don't have the names per se on the list yet, but we have some uh, reports about who might be on the list. And some of the targets apparently are Apple, Cisco Systems, Qualcomm, and even Boeing. And uh, another report from South China Morning Post says HSBC could be one um, company as well because of its links to um, the Huawei CFO, Wang Menzhou, who was detained in Canada. So that is something to watch out for who is going to be on the list. And also, will we see this pave the way for more countries to come up with their own blacklists as a way of, you know, top of a global war on protectionism? Yeah, and on that front, one more China-U.S. question. I saw a provocative article on Bloomberg over the weekend, Ryan, uh, proclaiming China is winning the trade war with Trump. So what do you think? After nearly four years of heightened U.S.-China tensions, is China winning? Well, if you look at it from some angle, some metrics, it could be argued that, hey, China seems to be on top of things for a few Factors. So if you look at trade balance, that has been one of the more important metrics that Donald Trump has been um, touting um, because they have been trying to get China to buy more U.S. goods. So what has been the change since Donald Trump took presidency? Mm. China's trade surplus has grown almost 25%. So that is not going according to his plans. So that is something also to watch out for when you talk about the phase one trade deal that Donald Trump was really blowing his trumpet over. They managed to sign a deal for China to buy more farm goods. But of course, we now know that there's been so much um, tension and disputes pushing back that purchase. You also now have COVID-19 pushing back the demand um, picture for Chinese um, industries. So they don't actually need all that right now. So this now comes into the question, will China actually be made to comply with those commitments. Uh, so that is one big question mark right now. And then you have GDP. Of course, we've seen how China was the first one in into the whole pandemic and now the first one out. So its GDP is actually in a more um, stronger position when it comes to versus the US. So it is in that measure winning against the US. And then you have the Chinese currency. So it's up 48 weeks in a row. And that is something interesting to watch uh, because when we first started the US-China trade war, it was at around 7. And right now it's at 6.8. So that is one metric that Donald Trump seems to be losing. Of course, uh, you, if you take a step back and look at the industries per se, the car makers, the financial industries, and pretty much everything that is be- behind industrial production, you will find that the Chinese industrial picture is doing much better than what's happening in the US, where we are still seeing huge levels of unemployment. And then there's a race to develop batteries, but that's a show by itself, really. Let's segue to corporate news now. Now, one company that's been doing particularly well this year is Malaysia's Top Glove. Its share price has quadrupled since the beginning of the year. And now the glove maker, which is already listed in Singapore and Kuala Lumpur, is seeking a third listing in Hong Kong. So why does Top Glove need a third listing? Well, that's a very good question. So why does it need to be listed in so many places, right? So what we have, um, and this was on the back of its really stellar results that it just released. So uh, in line with that, it also said 
It's planning this Hong Kong listing in six to nine months. And it says this is because it is part of its whole corporate image. It is a global company and it wants to be listed in another financial hub to get more visibility and more liquidity. So Hong Kong is the next destination. It's talking to bankers. But at the same time, it says no, this is going to be due subject to prevailing market conditions. So depending on how things fare, in the next half year or so, uh, they will decide whether or not to really go ahead and push for that extra listing. So for now, it is dual listed in Hong Kong, or rather Malaysia and Singapore. And just to look, walk you through the fantastic numbers, the post-tax profit from Top Glove mm. spiked 417% from the previous year. So that, of course, is a reflection of the demand for disposable gloves with what's happening with COVID-19. And the company expecting at least 20 to 30% additional growth next year. All right, let's take a week, uh, a look at the week and what it's in store for the markets, what it has in store. The U.S. markets are on a three-week downtrend, their longest weekly losing streak in nearly a year. Aside from U.S.-China tensions, what is likely to be on investors' minds this week, Ryan? No, okay. We did get the FOMC with a major update last week and we heard, it, heard them say um, rates will be anchored near zero for at least three years. But it's interesting that off the back of the FOMC meeting, we mm. are still seeing Wall Street selling off. Yep. So I think that will be one to watch how much that is going to continue in terms of momentum. And what to watch out for as well is the banking sector because the Fed, besides the headline around rates, also said they are thinking about extending the caps on bank dividends and stock repurchases for the rest of the year. So we could see the financial stocks under pressure there. And of course, that could spill over into the rest of the world. And they also, interestingly, Mm -hmm. will be putting another round of stress tests on banks. And if you look at central banks, the RBNZ will be in action on Wednesday. Um, We heard last week that they went into a recession, 12% quarterly decline. So that puts them in a huge contraction uh, and a recession. So we are watching out to see what the New Zealand Central Bank will do. For now, the consensus is that there'll be no changes. Right now, the rate is at 0.25%. And later this week, we will be hearing from Fed Chair Jerome Powell once again. And he is going to be speaking in Congress three times and we will probably get a bit of a economic outlook, how the U.S. economy has been responding to the COVID-19 situation and also this uh, quarterly CAS Act report to Congress. So talking about what other stimulus policies might be needed for the U.S. economy to be back on track. We are apparently at one of the worst times of the year for markets. The five-day period from 20th to 25th September is the week in which you have the least chance of making money in U.S. stocks. This according to data compiled over the past 30 years, something we're going to explore in Money and Me coming up in about 40 minutes. But first, the Straits Times Index finished marginally higher last week, about a third of a percent. It closed just a couple of points shy of the 2500 mark, closing at 2497.7 to be Exact. So how's it starting off this week, Ryan? Yeah, I have to look I have to point out that the SGX already STI has been trading flat, trading sideways for the entire week, and on Friday it was pretty much the same. And looking at how it is starting Monday, it is the same story. It is just up slightly by 0.2%, 2,502 points. And I think one of the stocks to watch out for 
is SGX, and and that's because we saw it on Friday announcing it will be uh, listing the world's largest ETF for Chinese pure government bonds, and this opens up a huge potential avenue of growth. So on the back of the announcement, its stock on Friday rose five percent. And if you take a look at it in the opening minutes, it is giving back some of those gains. It is right now trading down by 0.9% at $8.95. Thanks very much, Ryan Huang, joining me in Market View. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.